Well, uh, in the introduction, uh, welcome time, talked about the fact that uh, we're going through uncertain times. Uh, a new year always brings to us a sense of anxiety because we don't know what it holds for us. But that's true for every day, every week, every month as well. But I think this time, as we move into 2016, we can probably say like never before that we don't know what this new year holds for us because of so many uncertainties. And, and there's just so many things that, um, uh, that can be out there on the horizon in our life and in our world that can bring those uncertain times to us and bring to us sometimes a, a spirit of fear and timidity. And, and that's not what God wants us to do. You know, God is sovereign. He's in the control of all these things. We're the ones who are trying to look at it and gain the perspective from our viewpoint and try to understand how we can live with confidence. And God wants us to live with confidence in these uncertain times. And there's surely some out there on the horizon that all of us think about. You know, we got questions about the, uh, about the economy. What about the economy? Well, if you watched the, uh, the market last week, you know that it was very volatile. I mean, we lost the loss of a lot of points, which means they're down a lot. And that affects our economy. That affects uh, your portfolio. That affects your financial situation. Then we deal with the question about terrorism. You know, it used to always be that it was uh, across the sea in other worlds. You know, we didn't, we didn't have that fear and threat now. Now we live under that with a fear of terrorism and, and shootings that will take place. And we deal with the issue about ISIS and what's going to be done about ISIS and ISIL and what's the difference between ISIS and ISIL. And all of those are real. Uh, then what about the upcoming elections? You know, it's a major election year for president. But beyond that, there are other elections that will be taking place during that time. So, you know, what will that do to shape the country and the future of our country? And then when we talk about that, we've got to ask with a certain sense of uncertainty surrounding us, what, what is in store for our country? You know, where are we headed? What's going to be our sense of value? You know, what's going to be our destiny as the United States of America? And so all of these, I think, bring to us that certain element of uncertainty. And we not only have them around us in, in the world and those issues today, but on the personal level as well. And there are family issues, health issues, financial issues, and they all make life so uncertain. So what do we do in these uncertain times? And how can we live with confidence the way God wants us to live? Well, that's what's going to be our focus over the next several weeks as we look at God's Word, study God's Word. And for gaining confidence, I think there are two great things for us always as believers in Jesus Christ and followers after Him to do. And that is to have prayer time with God and to get into studying God's Word. And when we begin to live out our faith through that prayer and Bible study... Uh, then we find that the Bible is full of encouragement for believers so that we can remain confident in these uncertain times. So we, 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 we learn that we don't just trust the Bible as God's Word to us for salvation and for every situation in life, but we also find it for the guidance through these uncertain times. And the other interesting thing is that when we read and study the Scriptures, we find that most of them were written in a time of tremendous uncertainty. The, the Bible is not just filled with, with a, a, a book that's filled with a, a feel-good message for a world we don't live in, but it's really birthed out of uncertainty in the lives of so many of these characters. Let me mention a few of them. Joseph in the Old Testament. You remember Joseph? Uh, uh, he was uh, despised by his older brothers. And we find Joseph at one point in, in a pit, 
and his brothers were deciding whether they were going to kill him or whether they were going to sell him into slavery. And then we look at later at his life and we discover that God was with him. This was a part of God's plan. And uh, even in those uncertain times that continued on for many, many years in many different circumstances, that was God's plan and God was with him. Then we go to King David and we know that he was a shepherd boy who became the king. We know David had, uh, had an affair, an act of indiscretion with Bathsheba and that brought turmoil into his kingdom and into his own life. And he had to deal with the uprising of his own son, Absalom, who wanted to take the kingdom from him. And so David wrote many of the Psalms that we find out of those days of uncertainty as his son sought after him to take him off of the throne. And then we look at other times when David pours his heart out about the enemies as he was running from Saul and fleeing from other enemies and dealing with all the circumstances that went through his life. They were written in times of uncertainty. Then we go to the New Testament. You think about the Apostle Paul, dramatic conversion on the road to Damascus. And God called him as the, as the one who was to preach the message to the Gentiles. And yet what happened to Paul? We find that Paul went through all kind of conflict in uncertain times in his life. You know, he was beaten several times with a, with a lash for 39 times. Uh, he was stoned and left for dead. He was beaten and dragged out of the city. He had to escape by being lured out of a city into a basket over a wall. And yet in the midst of all of that, God was with him in those uncertain times. And what Paul wrote to us about was about being confident and having joy in those uncertain times in life. And then in the season that we've just celebrated, the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ during the Christmas season, we know that, that story originates with the angel Gabriel coming to Mary, the young girl Mary, and letting her know that she's chosen by God to give birth to the Lord, to our Savior, to our Messiah. And boy, all kind of uncertainty then entered into Mary's life. She wanted to know what that meant and what would the future hold for her. So the Bible is filled with stories of people facing uncertainty. And what we find that they find as we read this is they discovered that not only is God not absent, but that he's diligently at work in their life accomplishing his will in their lives as they live in this world. You see, the Bible shows us how much God is in control and how little you and I are in control of life. And I'm not sure about you, but for me, that's one of the big points that brings about uncertainty in my life. I like to be in charge of my life. I like to be in charge of the circumstances of my life. And the reason for that is I think I know better how to handle them, or I can handle them quicker than having to go through the learning process that God wants me to go through in some of those times. I, I mean, do you, do you have that same situation? That when these times come that over which you have no control, wouldn't you like to have control over those? You say, I want answers. And I want the answers that tell me that all I have to do is do these three things and life will be back to normal. The uncertainty will pass away. You know, I will know that my safety is secure. Terrorism will end. And a cure for cancer will be found. And all these uncertain times will end. What I'm saying is, I really don't want to be, I really don't want to be guided through these times of uncertainty, which is God's plan. I would rather that God lead me around the times of uncertainty because they're less strenuous, they're less uncertain, right? I mean, you struggle with that? I do. 
I mean, Lord, why don't we just take the easy way? And that's not always the way that God works because He wants to use those times to do something in our life. So as we study God's Word, hear God's Word, we worship together over these weeks, I'm hoping that we hear God's Word in a way that will address uh, some of our uncertainties and will make application to all of our uncertainties in life. So where do we start? Well, let's start with Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, because I think it it gives us a starting point in some very, very specific words. Uh, Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2. Uh, The writer of the book of Hebrews says, Therefore, uh, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So here's the first thing that we do. We do what the writer of Hebrews says, that he says that we fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, and who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We're called to fix our eyes on Jesus. And if you look at the way that's given to us, you know, that's a united effort. It says, let us. It also calls for a a definite action, and it says, fix our eyes. And then it has a single aim, and that is on Jesus. You know, and, and the reason for that is given to us very simply, because when uncertain times come, When uncertainty comes into our life, we're often distracted by so many different things that we focus our eyes everywhere except where they need to be focused, and that's on Jesus. Um, we got a quick video that might help us understand this with a little challenge to it. Watch your eyes. You You don't need to adjust your glasses, okay? This is the way it's meant to be. Uncertain times are kind of like that blur, aren't they? So what do we do in in uncertain times that we find our confidence? First of all, in times of uncertainty, our focus should be on Jesus. Here again what the writer of Hebrews said, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. 
Now, the word fix here comes from the Greek word, which simply means just to concentrate uh, on, on one subject. Your eyes don't wander, your thoughts don't wander, but you fixate yourself on one object. And that one object for us is Jesus. We're to fix our eyes on Him. Uncertain times and uncertain things create confusion, and we anxiously look around. God tells us to focus on Jesus. And that demands a continuous and sustained action, like a sailor uh, in rough seas, watching his compass to make sure that he stays on course. In times of uncertainty, we have to be sure that our focus is on Jesus. Now, that's good advice for beginning a new year, but it's good advice for facing every day that we live. We don't ever know what lies ahead of us. We don't know what a day brings for us. You know, we don't know what tomorrow brings for us. We don't know what this week holds in store for us or for next week. We've got our plans. We've got our dreams. We've got our agenda. We've got our calendar filled out. But God also has a plan, and He's got a will and a purpose for our life. And sooner or later, what we have planned is going to conflict and clash with what God has in store for us. And somehow that creates a sense of panic, I think, within us. And it's at that moment of panic, I think we fall into the temptation to take our eyes off of Jesus. So we need to fix our eyes on the Lord Jesus and watch His steps carefully laid out before us. See, our text gives us the motivation for that as we focus our eyes on Jesus. Because the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus Christ is the author and perfecter of our faith. Now that means three very important things for us. And gives us confidence for focusing our gaze and our eyes on Him in uncertain times. First of all, He laid the foundation for our faith through His death, burial, and resurrection. He made our salvation possible by His death on the cross and then by His resurrection. Secondly, He provides the perfect example for us to follow as He trusted God perfectly. At the beginning of His ministry, He went into the wilderness where He was tested severely and He did not fall. He did not yield to the temptation. Near the end of His earthly ministry, hours before He would be betrayed and arrested and then die upon the cross, He wrestled with His human will against God's will in the Garden of Gethsemane. And His example there for us as we focus on Him is that He, he did not yield to His own will, but he was, he was tested in that and He yielded to the Father's will. And then thirdly, he gives us the faith that we need when we feel like quitting. All the faith that we have really is a gift from God. And in Christ, we focus on Him and we find what we need as our, our focal point in times of uncertainty. Now, the second thing I think this text says that in times of uncertainty, our example should be that of Jesus. We just talked about His, his temptation. Beginning his, his, his ministry and then uh, at the, and Gethsemane. So our example should be that of Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says, Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Now you think about those two words that you hear there together in that one verse. You've got joy and you've got cross. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Now, those two words don't seem to go together. They, they really don't go together, do they? Joy and cross. I think we know something through biblical history about the cross. We know that it meant pain. It meant suffering. 
It meant public ridicule. It meant rejection. It meant public humiliation. A crucifixion on that cross meant a slow, agonizing death that sometimes could last for days. And there was really nothing beautiful or humane about the death on the cross, not even the death of Jesus on that cross. But yet the Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. How do we come to understand that? Where is the joy in that kind of death? Did Jesus enjoy the cross? The answer's got to be no. But he endured it for what would come later. Did Jesus enjoy the shame? No. But he scorned it for what would come later. He did all of that in obedience to the Father's will. That was one of these situations where Jesus prayed in the garden and he was saying, Lord, God, Father, if there is any way that you can lead me around the cross, that would be good. But if not, then your will guide me through the experience of the cross. And the joy that Jesus experienced was the denial of his self-will in these times of God's, God's plans for his life and the joy of experiencing that obedience to God's will so that he would be our Savior. And that was the only way that that could be brought about. God didn't have any other plan. And when people talk about there got to be other ways to heaven, if there were, God wouldn't have sacrificed his son and sent him to the cross to die. So he had to, he had to go through that. But God gives us a promise as well. All the way back in Isaiah chapter 43. And there was a hint of it in one of the songs that we sang. And that is that when we walk through the fire, when we go through the waters. See, those times are not exempt in our life. Those times of uncertainty. Those times of trials and testing. But what does God promise that he will do? He promises that he will be with us and he will walk with us as we go through those things. We want to take the shortcut. At least I do. Just leave me around it, you know, but I, I, won't, I don't gain in that experience what God wants me to gain. See, I think as we look at this and bring this down to our level of life, I think we can see that there's that sense of delayed gratification in the process. That's what Jesus experienced. The joy of going to the cross was a delayed gratification that came later. When he was resurrected, when he ascended into the glory of heaven, and he seated there now at the Father's right hand. So how does that work in our life? Well, there's two levels. Level one is giving up the good to obtain the best. And it goes like this. If you're really serious about losing weight, then you give up certain food so you can lose weight, right? You know, there are a lot of good things to eat that aren't necessarily good for us. We've still got some, um, we've still got some uh, Christmas goodies that are hidden in the pantry. And you know what that means for me? I'm supposed to be losing weight. That means when it's late at night and I'm the only one up, I feel myself drawn to, to the pantry, you know. And sooner or later, I have to come out of that pantry. But I get off my diet because there are things in there. So if we're really serious about losing weight, we've got to give up certain foods. How about students? You had a nice Christmas break, and then what did you have to do when you came back to school? Exams waited you. How about that? That was a nice reality check, wasn't it? 
And so for our students at college and in school here, you know, students, you want to have a good grade on the exam, you got to give up a night of television or a night out or whatever it is so you can study for the exam. How about a young couple giving up a night out of dinner and a movie so they can put that money aside to buy their first house? You see what happens in each one of those situations? There is the sacrifice involved, but both sides of the equation involve pleasure. See, there's good foods, but not necessarily good for us. You can eat it, and it's good, but it won't help you. You know, it's good to have a good time with friends and do things like that, but you don't necessarily make the good grades you should make. You're not your best on the exams when they come. You know, it would be nice to go out with others for a dinner and a movie. You know, that would be a nice pleasure. It's going to be gone for a period of time, though, after a period of time. But you put that money aside and you build towards that house, and you're building something significant for the future. So that's level one where one is forfeited to achieve a higher degree of satisfaction. But level two comes then with that delayed sense of gratification that involves some pain and difficulty as our reward. Like athletes, uh, especially I think about football players. Now that we're coming to the championship game tomorrow night between Alabama and Clemson, those athletes have been at it, and not just since last week, training for this game. They began training a long time ago, getting up early in the morning. And running and doing their exercises and lifting weights. And they sacrificed a lot. They, you know, no pain, no gain, right? To get in shape for the season and now they're being rewarded about it by playing in the championship game. Then aspiring musicians. I'm sure that Cheryl and Sharon could tell us that. Uh, that uh, if you're going to be a, a, a virtuoso with a musical instrument, you've got to spend hours practicing. And that means you're going to give up some things to do that. Cancer patients, I think about who endure the rigors of chemotherapy, hoping to rid their bodies of cancer. Young people who keep themselves pure sexually so they can enter into marriage with joy and no regrets. Now, where does that lead us with talking about these uncertain times? Well, see, Jesus said, follow me. And he went to the cross. And when these times of uncertainty come in our life, God really doesn't want us to ask for the shortcut so we can go around it, but he wants to take us through it. He did with Jesus, and he did with so many of these biblical characters whose lives are so enriched by what they experienced. And the result of that was, like Jesus did, for the joy set before him, he went to the cross and scorned at shame. See, how that works in our life then is if we're willing to follow Jesus then we got to be willing to deal with the uncertainties in our life and the difficult times in our life so that God can work in our life and produce in our life the faith that he wants to produce in our life. And when we follow the example of Jesus in these times of uncertainty, it simply means we have the faith, the trust in God, to use whatever uncomfortable life circumstances come to us in uncertain times to be used to glorify God. And here's the third thing to do in uncertain times. Beginning to write of Hebrews, it tells us this. In uncertain times, our hope is secured by Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says that Jesus sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus was able to sit down after his work was completed. The Old Testament priests, they never got that chance to sit down because they constantly had to offer up the sacrifice of these animals in the temple for the forgiveness of sins. Their work never ended. But when Jesus came, he came as the Messiah, the Lamb of God without spot or blemish. He came as the Savior. 
And he came to lay down his life for our sins so that our sins could be forgiven. And when Jesus did that and he made that sacrifice, he was able to sit down and he seated at the right hand of God the Father. That's why we call that the finished work of Jesus. It means that the work of redemption is now complete. And Jesus has experienced that delayed gratification where he is now seated at the Father's right hand. And to him belongs all praise and glory and majesty. But I want to throw something at you. I don't know whether you've ever discovered this and, and thought about this, but um, if, if you've got your Bibles open, if you want to look at Ephesians chapter 2, look at verses 4 and 7 with me there for just a moment. I read this this week, and I don't think I'd ever seen it in this light before. The Apostle Paul is writing, and he says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Okay, it is by grace you have been saved. So there's that groundwork laid there. That is the sacrifice that Jesus made for us by which we are saved because of God's grace that gives us that. Okay, then, then verse 6 though, throws an interesting tantalizing fault there I think. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, where are, you, where are you living right now? What's your experiences in life? Are you seated in heavenly realms right now? What does that mean for us? I mean, that's, that's the Word of God. We have to believe it, don't we? What does that mean for us? Look at verse 7. In order that in the coming ages... He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You know, this says that He raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I pondered over that a lot. Even this morning, it got me up early, even before 5 o'clock, to sit down and look through some more material and thinking about this. And I think what it all boils down to is it said that Paul is saying to us that Because we are joined with Christ in a living faith, that where Christ is, in a sense, we are there with Him. And the way that we experience that is because He imputes to us His righteousness, and that's what He did on the cross. That He became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God through Christ. Now, admittedly, most of us don't feel like we are seated in the heavenly places because life is one battle after another, right? But the reality is, that's our inheritance. That is there. That's guaranteed for us. And in the meantime, we live in this world with all of its uncertainty, but with the certainty of our destiny fixed in Christ, where we will be one day absolutely, completely seated with Christ. And there's a whole future that awaits us because we're going to be joint heirs with Jesus and we're going to be rejoicing with Christ and seated with Him, our work over and the victory finally won. And that's the really good news, I think, when we face uncertain times. You see, that's just not a story or a hope, a possibility out there for life in another world. It's reality for us in this world. It's what helps us to get through these times of uncertainty now. So as we wrap this up today then, I think, that I think there are at least three points of application for us to think about.
when we face uncertain times and focus our eyes on Jesus. The first one is this. The only way to win the race of life is to keep your focus on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1. And you notice I didn't deal that much with verse 1. It was basically verse 2. But Hebrews 12, 1 tells us to run with perseverance the race that is set before us and to lay aside all the sin that so easily entangles us or encumbers us. Uh, after the first service, I had uh, a lady ask me about that. She said, what does that mean about the sin that so easily entangles us? And I said, it's the sins that we don't want to confess. It's the sins that we don't want to put aside. And what happens is we try to go through life running that race with perseverance, and we try to carry our sin with us at the same time. And the story that I've always loved about that is, is a mother was watching her four children play in the backyard one day, and all of a sudden this skunk came up through the fence and got in the midst of her children, and they just thought it was a special kind of cat. They loved on it. They petted it. They played with it. And the mother looked out there and saw, oh, my word, they're going to be ruined. She opened the door and she hollered, run for your life. And they all got up and they ran in the house. Only for the mother to discover they brought the skunk in with them too. (laughs) So we have those things in our life that hinder us and slow us down, right? And they do because we don't put them down. We don't lay them down. We want to carry them with us. So the only way to win the race of life is to keep your focus on Jesus. We've got the testimony of the saints that he talks about who went before us. We've got the encouragement to put aside those sins. And then we've got the example of Jesus and we've got the promise of the coming glory. So keep your eyes on Jesus. That's the only way you're going to win the race of life. Here's the second point. When uncertain times come, claim the promise of God and the presence of Jesus. Now here's a difficult, I think, application, but I think it's a reality. When uncertain times come, whatever it is that comes into your life, you get the pink slip. You get a bad grade on your exam. You know, your boyfriend breaks up with you. Your girlfriend breaks up with you. You got marital issues. You got financial issues, whatever they might be. Those are difficult times. We have a tendency to focus on those things because they are important to us and they get our attention right then, right? Well, I'm going to tell you something. This is what I pick up out of this story. Don't focus on your circumstances or the uncertainties. Focus on Jesus. Go back to Jesus. Open the Word. Find out what it says to you about Jesus. Find out what it says to you about God. Find out that He's loving and kind and merciful and gracious and claim His wisdom and His power and His love and His might. In other words, focus on Jesus even in the midst of your difficulties because when you focus on Jesus first, then you get a whole new perspective for going back. And dealing with the uncertainties in your life. We don't have a tendency to do that. We have a tendency to focus on the circumstances. To where it almost blocks out everything else. It drives us all day long. You go to sleep with it tonight. You wake up with it in the morning. I mean you pick it up and you carry it with you. Start with Jesus. Not with your problems. And then there's the third application. That is when you feel like giving up. And sometimes you do in times of uncertainty. When you feel like giving up, remember that in God's eyes you are already a winner. He has raised you up and got a seat for you in the glories of heaven with Christ Jesus. See, the battle has been won. 
You're declared a winner, and God has determined the outcome of your life. And one day, as believers in Christ, we will inherit our place in heaven. But in the meantime, in uncertain times, when we want to find confidence for living in these days, the first admonition is very simple. Focus on Jesus. He's our source of strength and hope and encouragement. Father, we don't like the times of uncertainty. We don't like the difficult moments that come into our life. We much prefer that uh, we be led around them or that somehow in our life live for you, we could avoid these times. But we realize they are a reality in life. And maybe today we've come to realize that they are a part of your divine plan for shaping our life, for teaching us something about faith, for teaching us something about you. And so your admonition for us as we gain confidence for those uncertain times, uh, help us to keep our focus on Jesus. Help us to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And that in doing so, we will find confidence and hope and encouragement for these days and the days ahead. And Father, I pray that in that strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.